Our job, my job, is to build competition in every position. If you don't like competition, this isn't the place for you. I came down here because I love competition. So it starts with me and it's going to run through every position. If competition is not what you like, then there's another school for you. And so at every position, we're going to build it with competition. If you love to compete, LSU's the place for you. Now, we're going to... I think we got to leave the excuses behind here. And I really believe with our players right now, it's all about changing their thinking. And if they can do that, they can change their lives. Um, so a lot of that. My kids could do that. I got uh, Andrews out there somewhere. He could tell you flat out. I don't, I usually get the, uh, the, the subs. I get a, a meatball sub when it's a pizza place. So I'll eat the leftover pizzas the kids don't eat. And you can tell, so see you. Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And man, do we got a show lined up for you. Some SEC East heavyweights here. I got to be honest with you. I can't mention Georgia without Florida fans chiming in. I can't mention Florida without them Bulldogs chiming in. So we're going to talk some Florida Gators, some Georgia Bulldogs, and Brian Kelly and LSU open spring practice here on Wednesday. So we've got some great comments from Brian Kelly to get to as well. But before we get to that, something, if you're maybe you're one of these people, you just listen to the show, you don't get on the Twitter that much, but and more power to you if you don't, you're probably better off. But what you did miss is just an absolute gem of a tweet from old Colin Coward. I Honestly, I cannot tell if this man is being genuine or trolling with uh, half the stuff that comes out of his mouth. But check out his reporting, quote-unquote, uh, following the uh, first spring practice there of the Lincoln-Riley era. It's pretty fantastic. I'm going to read it here, and we'll throw it up on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. Here's from... Uh, Colin Coward. Sources tell me that at Lincoln Riley, yeah, he's definitely not uh, looking for attention here. First USC practice was flawless. One observer noted, some are calling it the greatest practice ever on a college campus. (laughs) And anybody that knows college football, like uh, if you're tuning into this thing in March, you're a diehard, no doubt about it listening to college football spring practice updates. But the first practice, they're not even wearing pads. I mean, it's glorified seven-on-seven. They're not tackling. They're not hitting. So, you know, first practice, greatest of all time. Give me a freaking break here. But the the only reason I want to bring this up, because this was fantastic, and we're going to, you know, eventually we're going to have to have this guy on the show, hopefully, covers Oklahoma once they come into the SEC. But uh, clearly he's trolling. Colin Coward and Lincoln Riley, you know, that that's an ongoing thing all offseason. The Sooners are happy to be glad to link, or get rid of Lincoln Riley. They think the program is uh, better in better hands now under Brent Venables, the longtime Clemson defensive coordinator. But here's what uh, Eddie Radatovich, here's his response after the first practice of Oklahoma spring. Sources tell me that Brent Venables' first Oklahoma practice was flawless. One observer noted they would have beat every Super Bowl champion 
since the AFL-NFL merger, Aaron Rodgers couldn't start for this team. So, <laughs> oh, I mean, this is kind of what we're reduced to in the spring, but a good troll of Colin Coward. I'm on board with that all day long and twice on Sunday. So just wanted to share that before we get down to the nitty gritty, the football stuff. And let's start here in Gainesville. Where the Gators, you know, I got to be honest with you. This is 100% kind of how I was leaning here, leading up to uh, spring practice in Gainesville. We know Billy Napier, all this hype, all this anticipation. He's killing it with hiring these coaches. He's killing it in the recruiting trail. He got Emory Jones to come back, for God's sakes. Of course, Emory Jones is already in the portal. But, you know, that just spoke a lot to me of the character and and just the players buying in because we all knew Emory Jones was done at Florida. What the hell is he doing back? The fans didn't want him back, but he still came back. You know, what a salesman Billy Napier must be. You know, we had Zach Goodall on the show last week. If you go back, if you missed it, go back and watch that. 200 staffers on staff here in Gainesville to build this thing in the right way. I'm buying into the hype. And then I hear these comments for Billy Napier, and I'm pumping the brakes big time because, you know, we'll get to Kirby Smart here in just a moment, but, and maybe it was unfair. Maybe I'm just getting, I'm putting the cart in front of the horse here, but a lot of comments here from Billy Napier. Basically, you know, we're trying to teach these guys the basics. It's about effort, it's about physicality, and, you know, it's a lot of install day one stuff, which it should be in his first spring camp. I'm not saying that, uh, you know, this is a bad sign by any means, but you combine this with the rough schedule to come out the gate, and I just think there's going to be some bumps in the road early for the Florida Gators. So, uh, you know, let's listen. To, let's kick it over to Billy Napier real quick on his initial thoughts after a couple spring practices, and, you know, he just really emphasizes the fact that this is a developmental period. This is uh, the best time to be a football player, if you want to grow, if you want to buy in, if you want to become, uh, you know, they want to get back to that Gator standard, it all starts here in spring practice. I think that um, there's no lack of effort. Uh, there's no lack of, uh, there's no fear when it comes to that, in my opinion. Um, it's one thing to be physical. It's another to be fundamentally sound, if that makes sense, right? So I think right now we have effort, we have physicality, but it's how we do it, right? I think ultimately um, there is some conceptual and strategy part of this game, but you have to do the very simple things really well. You've got to block and tackle, you've got to throw and catch, you've got to cover kicks. Uh, you, you know, I think the basics do the simple things really well, right? I think that's how we've played really good football in the past. We've got a ways to go. Uh, with this team to get there. Yeah, I mean, I think the quarterbacks as a whole, you know, this is a developmental game, right? I mean, I think that what I would, you know, I think it's important to understand that we do a lot more practice than we do play, right, when, when it comes to football. So um, this is where you learn, right? This is where you develop as a player, right? And regardless of your experience level, this is where you get your first experience, right? And we, we like to think as a staff that we're replicating the game. You know, I think that's your job as a coach, right, is to replicate, replicate the game for the players uh, on the practice field. And, 
you know, that's our job as teachers, right? That's our jobs in terms of um, the way we approach practice, the way we meet, the way we walk through, the way we um, work in individual and group drills and then translate that to team. Um, now we're four days in. We're moving our way through the field zones. We're moving our way through the downs and distances. Uh, we'll scrimmage practice eight. Um, so, you know, we're, we're about halfway through here in terms of the whole picture. Um, and I think that reality is this is where you get the most experience as a football player. So, again, I'm not sitting here hitting the panic button. But, you know, if you're being honest, you listen to what Billy Napier is saying here. You got a long way to go to catch up to Georgia. And make no mistake, that shouldn't be the expectation right now, but that is the goal in Gainesville right now. Long, long way to go. And we all know it starts with the quarterback position with uh, Emory Jones gone. Anthony Richardson presumed going to be the starting quarterback. But don't forget Ohio State transfer Jack Miller. God forbid something happens to Anthony Richardson. He gets hurt, which is – very unlikely during a, a camp scenario or during the offseason. But, hell, I mean, this is a guy that's gotten hurt dancing before. So, you know, I, you can't completely rule it out either. Florida's given themselves a nice insurance option. And that's before we get to uh, Carlos Del Rio and Jalen Kitna, of course. Uh, I believe that's the son of uh, John Kitna, former NFL quarterback. So, I mean, they have got I – don't, I wouldn't necessarily call it a loaded quarterback room due to the inexperience, but – they have got plenty of arms down there. They need these to get these guys repetition. So not a big deal, in my opinion, that Emory Jones is no longer part of the program because we got to get Anthony Richardson up to speed, potentially get Jack Miller up to speed. If it's going to, it's obviously more than likely going to be one of those two guys. Uh, let's kick it over to Billy Napier on, you know, early read on the quarterbacks, how the uh, installation progress, even that is uh, a little bit. The quarterbacks are swimming as you'd expect. And then, you know, he really goes out of his way here to praise Jack Miller, the Ohio State transfer. And now that Emory's gone, they may have been in a really tough situation when it comes to lacking experience at the game's most important position. And now, you know, they have a little bit of a safety blanket here in Jack Miller. Yeah, it's been good. It's been good. I think uh, we take a step forward each day. Um, you know, I think obviously the install starting to pile up. Today was the first day I felt like, okay, hey, you know, we got quite a bit in. Um, a few more mental errors today than maybe we need. Um, but overall, I think those guys are doing really well. You know, they're they're coming in extra. Um, I see it sticking. You know, a little bit of a whole part whole approach, uh, but it is sticking, and they're retaining information, and I see improvement. So. Um, Pleased with that group. What's that challenge been for Anthony and Jack as well? You know, trying to learn a new offense, but still. No question. I think, um, well, there's a reason Jack's here, first of all. I think we anticipated um, potential issues. Um, you know, I think Jack um, comes across as a guy who has been in competition before, right? Uh, he's played uh, in games before, right? And I think it do he does come across like. It's not too big for him. You know, he's comfortable. Uh, he's able to handle the good and the bad. You know, I think he can make a play and then be the same guy the next play. He can make a mistake and be the same guy the next play. So there's some steadiness there uh, that I appreciate. 
Uh, certainly, you can see that the ball comes out of his hand. He's got arm talent. He's accurate. Uh, and so far, he's picking it up pretty quick. So um, I think we made a good decision there, and uh, we're glad Jack's on our team. Now, we like to keep things positive here. I, hell, I probably already lost a lot of the Gators just from those comments, but it ain't all bad. Certainly not when we're talking about in Gainesville. And one thing I wanted to highlight here, defensive coordinator Patrick Tooney, getting to learn a little bit more about this guy. He's only 31 years old, but during his time at Louisiana with Billy Napier the last two years calling the defensive plays, the team went 23-2. and two, and What an incredible, incredible run. This guy comes from the uh, Ron Roberts tree, who's now Baylor's defensive coordinator under Dave Aranda. He's coached with uh, Alabama's defensive coordinator, Pete Golding. He has ties to Carl Scott, who's now an NFL position coach. But Tony may be young, but he's got ties to a lot of really good, well-respected defensive minds in college and NFL football. And I want to give this guy a shout-out. I, I recently connected with him. I hope to have him on the show at some point this offseason. But if you're unfamiliar with this YouTube channel, CFB with JD, got to give this guy a follow. He has a really great breakdown on Patrick Tooney and what his defense is going to look like in Gainesville and the creeper position. And, you know, that's the thing. We're all worried about the quarterbacks and how the offense is going to look under Billy Napier. I'm more curious to know about this defense that, you know, for years and years, when I think of elite Gator teams, hell, even under Steve Spurrier, with, with, we all know the fun and gun and all the records they were putting up. They couldn't get over the top. They couldn't win the national championship until they had that defensive presence. And that has been lacking clearly under the last several years under Todd Grantham. Now they hope to get that back under Patrick Tooney. And what I love about his system, what little I know of it, is just kind of like Dave Aranda at LSU. They disguise what they're going to do. They come with the pressures, but unlike Todd Grantham where they, you know, the, the offense knows where it's coming from and it's coming early and often, in this defensive system, they love to use what's called a creeper where they bring people up. You make, they make you think it's coming one way when it's coming the other, and it just – messes with the entire offensive game plan from the quarterbacks, from the protection to everything out there. So, you know, I'm really looking for this to be a huge upgrade for Florida's defense. And let's kick it over to Patrick Tooney, who spoke, this was a couple days ago, on his defensive philosophy. And he really gets into, you know, showing one look, but uh, being really in another, disguising his run boxes. And I think uh, the Florida Gators are going to be happy with their defense this season, which, let's be honest, that'll be a nice change of pace for uh, them Gator fans. Yeah, so, you know, first and foremost, uh, you know, from a defensive standpoint, you know, I always say we want to make the same things look different and different things look the same. I think in today's game, right, the person you got to make the game hard on is the trigger man, all right, and you got to be able to disguise and make him decide post-snap what the coverage is, uh, where the strengths, weaknesses, where the, the coverage issues are. Uh, so, you know, philosophically, we're going to try and put in a defense that poses a lot of problems to the quarterback post-snap. But overall, you know, like, you know, football is a, a game that's made a lot more difficult than it needs to be. It's going to come down to taking on blocks, getting off blocks, tackling, creating takeaways, and playing good situational football for us defensively. And then as a coaching staff, you know, our number one goal, we're going to put our players in a sound concept. 
we're gonna eliminate gray area, make it black and white, so that they can play fast. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't necessarily think it's pass first, you know. But I think if you look at every run, there's a run pass option on it. You know what I mean? So I think you know what everyone's trying to do in today's game is get the ball handed off, you know, into a, a, a positive numbered box, right? So you want to show population one way, maybe force them to throw the ball that way, or maybe not, and force them to hand it into a bo uh, loaded box count. So you know, when you say that, I think the quarterback's making a decision on runs and passes every snap, you know, not just passes. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. That's better H-E-L-P. Head on over to betterhelp.com slash S-E-C to get 10% off your first month over at betterhelp.com. Betterhelp.com will assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist. You can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours over at BetterHelp. Mental health is something we gotta we all gotta take seriously, particularly in these times. I know I've had a time in my life where I needed to speak to a therapist and it really helped me get through the issues I was having. And that's how they can help you over at BetterHelp. Again, that's H-E-L-P.com and use that promo code SEC. You can find all this in the show notes. Head on over to their website and read some of the testimonials posted daily over at BetterHelp. Two million people have taken charge of their mental health with the help of experienced professionals over at BetterHelp. Once again, betterhelp.com slash SEC. If you need some help, want to speak to a therapist, you don't even have to leave your home to do it. Head on over to betterhelp.com. Use that promo code SEC for 10% off your first month. And again, you can find this link in the show notes. All right, moving, staying in the SEC East. Let's kick it on down to Athens next. Where Kirby Smart met with the media late on Tuesday evening. Too late for uh, for us to get it on the last show. But, you know, this is kind of what I'm talking about. And maybe it's just unfair to be comparing the defending national champions to a team in their division, their arch rival that just fired their coach. But what of our concerns here in Georgia? Our concerns are fifth-year quarterback that just won us the national championship. We only lost one game to Alabama in the SEC championship. We're worried about, you know, can this guy, Stetson Bennett, be more consistent? Can he lead the team? Can he lead this offense when, hell, he, we've just seen him essentially do it. He's going to have to be better, no doubt, if Georgia's going to win the national championship. But, you know, that is something that Kirby Smart – detailed here in his press conference Stetson Bennett's decision to return what went into that and I thought this was interesting because Kirby we all know his history with the quarterback position kind of you know a lot of whiffs on there no doubt and hell we all doubted him last season with how that he handled the thing yet he was proven correct so clearly he knows much better than all us uh, naysayers out there wishing and hoping JT Daniels got in the lineup but it was pretty bizarre to see him you know really I don't want to say he tore into Stetson Bennett here but really called out Stetson for not playing as well as he could have last season despite all the success the Bulldogs had on the field during their epic run to the national championship yeah we had a couple conversations just in passing and uh, he reached out a couple times and just said he really wanted to, to come back and um Wanted to continue to get better, and um, you know, there wasn't a lot there. There weren't a lot of questions and things. It was more he feels like that he's grown as a quarterback. He knows that 
we showed a lot of confidence in Stetson, if you didn't notice. And uh, and he answered that with uh, the way he played. I think he'd be the first to tell you he can still grow and get better. And, um, you know, we have high expectations for Stetson, but we also have high standards of what we expect Stetson to do in terms of leading our offense, in terms of going to class and doing the right things. And we're still challenging him to do those things. Make the decisions, right? We were late over the middle a couple of times with balls and late in the season. And, you know, he'll be the first day he didn't play perfect. He made some really good plays for us with his feet, his legs, his decision making. But you just want to take out the, you know, some of the bonehead throws, some of the bonehead mistakes um, that he's made from time to time. And, you know, hey, it's easy for him to say he hadn't had an opportunity to correct those mistakes because the, the guy was taking threes at this time last year. You know, he was, he was taking reps as a, as a three or sparingly and wasn't getting a lot of reps. So he got a lot of work fast, and uh, we feel like he's, he's still showing progress. He's done some really nice things this spring, but that should be, should be expected for a guy with his uh, experience level. So pretty interesting there, don't you think? I mean, I, I have heard that Stenson Bennett only came back because, you know, they promised him he'd be the starting quarterback. There was uh, rumors that they were going to go after Caleb Williams. That would have been certainly interesting. And, hell, Georgia, the last two recruiting classes have signed five-star quarterbacks in Brock Vandergriff and Gunnar Stockton. So you got to believe that if either one of those guys is ready to play, and I certainly don't think it would be Gunnar at this point, but you know, there's going to be people calling for Brock as, as soon as Stetson Bennett has a bad game. We're going to go through this thing all over again. And it almost seems to me like Kirby, because he owes this guy so much for helping the dogs win the national championship. I don't think I'm a little conflicted here, but it, it certainly seems like he's trying to toughen him up already for what's going to come in the fall. Because I, I really do think that uh, the mailman, he deserves all the credit in the world for what he did last season. But if we're being honest, he was not front and center for that national championship team as much as we made it a topic. It was that defense. It was the supporting cast. And the supporting cast is still going to be strong. The defense is still going to be strong. But Stetson Bennett is going to have to raise his game up to an all-SEC, maybe even a Heisman finalist-type level if the Georgia Bulldogs are going to win it all. And that's the expectation now. Make no mistake about it. If Georgia doesn't win the championship this year, the fans are going to be disappointed with the results on the field. And that's certainly the vibe I'm getting here from Kirby. And to continue on that theme, I mean, I know we just started spring practice here, but already Kirby's complaining about an issue that has plagued Georgia the last couple of years here, lack of depth at the corner position, why that is. Kirby says this is as thin as they've ever been in his, uh, what, seven years here as Georgia's head coach. This was some pretty eye-opening comments here. And, and he doesn't say these guys' names, but he's talking about Kamari Lassiter, Nyland Green, and uh, Dalen Everett here when he's talking about these guys taking all the reps in practice at the cornerback position at this point in time. They got a lot of opportunity. I mean, they, they're taking every single rep with the ones and twos. So those guys are out there. That's, you know, receiver and DB, we have never in seven years been this thin, ever been this thin. And you can point a finger and blame anywhere you want, but it's the life of college football coach now. You just you don't have depth. You don't have it anywhere. It's it's easy to leave and go places. Those guys are a little more um, maybe higher maintenance in terms of 
uh, thinking of themselves and, and they expect to play right away and they're quicker to go. So uh, it's certainly a position of concern for us in terms of recruiting and development at the skill position. And then last thing, you know, we all buzz about Will Anderson and for good reason. I mean, he is just incredible, but possibly the most overlooked defender, not only in the SEC, but maybe the country and a guy that, uh, you know, is really, if he takes his game up to the next level, he is probably going to compete for Will Anderson to be the best defensive player in the country next season is Jalen Carter. And Kirby is really hammering home with this guy. You know, all the accolades, everything they accomplished last season, you know, they went about 10 deep legitimately on that defensive line. They still go deep, but clearly not as deep as that because they're going to have about four or five guys selected in the NFL draft. But he's looking for Jalen Carter not only to be a dominant force on the field, but he's really pushing him to be a leader that they need there in Athens. There's a leadership void, no doubt. This is the time when that starts to become developed and sets the tone for the upcoming season. So I just thought this was an interesting comment here from Kirby for uh, arguably his best player on the roster. Well, uh, Jalen's a good football player. Um, I think that uh, he's taking a role in Trey's room of trying to set an example for others. And uh, that's, that's you know, Devontae and, and Jordan did as fine a job and really Trevon in that same category along with Julian. They did, a, they set a standard of work ethic and you won't, you know, whether it's Jalen, Zion, whoever's going to control that. Um, but Jalen's certainly talented, and uh, you have to push. You have to push. You have to be willing to push yourself and give great effort in practice because, really, that's what set Devontae Wyatt apart. He, he played himself into a really good player. He was not that player when he got here. He was not that talented a player when he got here. He, he worked himself to that. He, like, lost weight. He got stronger. He got quicker. He wasn't the player year one, two, and three that he was four and five. And we'd like to have the same thing with Jalen. He was certainly a very talented player as a, a freshman and sophomore, but um, we'd like to get more out of him. Now, last up around the league on this episode, let's kick it on down to Baton Rouge. It's my honor to present the national championship trophy to Coach Ed Ogeron and the LSU Tigers. Where Brian Kelly met with the media. They pushed it back due to weather. It was supposed to be on Tuesday, but this came on Wednesday. And, you know, there's two storylines down here in Baton Rouge. Adding all these players, 17 players they have added via transfer portal or early enrollees for spring camp. Now they needed to do it just to field a, a team here this uh, spring in Baton Rouge. That has been a huge storyline. And, of course, Jaden Daniels, the Arizona State transfer. What is LSU getting with that? And what's the deal with, uh, you know, they convinced Miles Brennan to stay. Why were they doing that? If they're going to add Jaden Daniels, a little bit of a mixed messaging. Uh, let's kick it over first to uh, Brian Kelly. I just thought this was a fascinating comment here about uh, adding all these players this offseason. And, and basically, they had to do it. There was no way around it. LSU, basically, the field practices needed to add this type of uh, not only getting players, you can't just get bodies, but you got to get guys that have played and played at a high level, even if it's been at a lower level of college football. To address that gap that I just mentioned to you, uh, for us to get to 84, you know, this isn't AAA. This is the SEC. So you better have a full roster of really good football players when you show up. You can't have 72 scholarship players or the guys running down on the field they're not going to be uh, SEC players. So we had to address it. 
Um, we did. And if you caught it there, probably my favorite part about that was the fact that uh, Brian Kelly hit home that a lot of these guys have ties to Louisiana, the state. And I hate to say this for Arkansas fans, but there's a couple Arkansas defenders now wearing LSU gear that I think he's specifically talking about here. But, you know, credit Brian Kelly for just getting there. We all know we're making fun of him for the family and all that. But he's able to use these ties, not to him, but to the, the flagship program of that state and the lore that has. I mean, my God, uh, Joe Fouchea was, you know, flying all over the field there just a couple months ago for Arkansas, beating LSU, carrying that damn boot like uh, like he had just won the lottery or something. You know what I mean? Yet he turns right around and suits up for LSU. Brian Kelly, and we probably got to credit Frank Wilson for this more than anything, but LSU and Brian Kelly had, you know, they quickly realized we can tap into that, and that's how we'll get a lot of these players to come to Baton Rouge to help fill in the gaps. That's what we're going to have to do. Now, one player they were able to lure, and it has no ties to the state, but is fascinating, of course, is Jaden Daniels. And before we get to his comments specifically on the Arizona State transfer, I love the fact that, uh, you know, Brian Kelly, his comments on competition and how he runs his program, because, you know, this is all new to us here in the SEC. We don't we didn't follow Brian Kelly, didn't know what we're, exactly what we're getting. We know we're getting a hell of a winning coach, but I love him setting the tone down here, and he realizes quickly that, this is what it's going to take to win at the SEC. And he's not resting on his laurels that he had there, his accomplishments at Notre Dame. Our job, my job, is to build competition at every position. If you don't like competition, this isn't the place for you. I came down here because I love competition. So it starts with me, and it's going to run through every position. If competition is not what you like, then there's another school for you. And so at every position – we're going to build it with competition. If you love to compete, LSU's the place for you. And I really like those comments because we've seen some of these coaches. They come into this league. They think they're ready for it. I've won at Cincinnati. I won at Central Michigan. I won at Wisconsin. You know, they think they got it figured out. You don't got it figured out in the SEC till you get down here. Trust me. And many, many a good coaches have found that out the hard way. And if you're an LSU fan – you got to hope by these comments that Brian Kelly, hell, he gets his ass kicked by an SEC team every year when he was at Notre Dame. So maybe he's a little bit ahead of the curve when it comes to that. He's buying into the SEC just means more. And for that, you got to be happy. I th I got to believe if you're an LSU fan. But the big thing here, Jaden Daniels, interesting comments, not only on that, but uh, the message sent to Miles Brennan, now, many people assume when they got this Jane Daniels, well, they just screwed over Miles Brennan again. I mean, this guy's been waiting it out five, six years to start, feels like, uh, minus the uh, COVID season where he got to play a little bit and start for the Tigers. But what were those conversations like? And what is LSU seeing Jane Daniels? And I'll give you my thoughts on the other side. Coach Kelly Garland Gill in Fox State, New Orleans. I don't need to know who's the starting quarterback tomorrow, but I don't know, so I couldn't give you a good answer. Didn't expect that. Uh, your four scholarship quarterbacks, will they all be available to yes. throw tomorrow? How do you decide 
the repetitions that they get each day? How, how are you going to split up between these four scholarship quarterbacks? Yeah, that's you know certainly uh, the the number one question that should be asked is um, how do you figure this out? Um, it probably was the one area that I spent more time with with Mike and and Joe than you know what concept are we putting in in the passing game. Um, we're, we're going to go seniority to start, uh, one through four, first in to last in. Um, and then, you know, the next time it might be uh, last, last in to, to first in um, until we get into a, a rhythm, you know, that allows everybody to get enough reps where you can start to break those out. But you've got to give it enough work, you know, before you can start parceling them out. It's been documented how you're able to convince Miles to come back from the portal. So I guess just could you walk us through what those conversations are like when you then, you know, with him when you then bring Jaden in? Um, again, I, I think we started with uh, we just wanted to add more competition, um, and that uh, there's look nobody has um, the starting position. Go earn it. Um, you've worked hard. Um, he's changed his body. He's healthy. Uh, remember when you threw, I think it was four touchdown passes against Missouri? You're, you're an outstanding quarterback. Um, why, why can't it be you? Um, and, and the same thing for, for Nuss, the same thing for Jaden. Um, so I, I think it's just, you know, the inner confidence that they all have in themselves that they can be the starter. Now, the second part of your question would be, would be his ability to extend. I think he brings more than extending plays, actually. Um, he was in an offensive structure and system, um, which was really built towards uh, ball control this past year, playing to a very good defense. Uh, we think that there's a lot that has not been tapped into with his ability to be a dual-threat quarterback. Um, he's got arm talent. Um, he's got a high IQ. Uh, and he can run the football. Uh, he's a talented runner of the football. He wasn't asked to do that. He was, ex he was more of an extender of plays. We think that there's much more to it than, than what he's brought um, over the last couple of years. Now, I hate to be a Debbie Downer because, hell, I've not even studied this guy, so take my word for, for what it is. But whenever I hear potential when it comes to these players, it's different. You know, everybody loves to use the example of Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow never started a game when he transferred from Ohio State. This Jaden Daniels has started for three seasons. Now, one of them was the COVID year, and it was, you know, I think they only played like four games at Arizona State. So maybe that's a wash. I realized the freshman season was fantastic for Daniels, but his latest season was just terrible based on everything I've been told. So – we're talking about a guy that in three seasons has shown one season of play that is pretty solid. And I don't know. I mean, I feel like when we're throwing around potential, going into a guy's fourth year in college football, and he's had every opportunity to show it on the field, and he's only showed it in spurts, I'm not really buying the potential angle. That, to me, is more about a guy that has yet to see the field or, for whatever reason, maybe got injured, like a Miles Brennan. Hell, Miles Brennan, from what I've seen him play, when he's healthy, which admittedly has hardly been at all, he has looked good. 
in those positions. So that's why I'm still clinging to the hope that Miles Brennan can make a name for himself in Baton Rouge. If I were him, I would not uh, I would not transfer out of LSU. You're not going to get a better opportunity in the SEC to play. And I think you're going to be able to unseat Jaden Daniels if you just show up and grind it out and you beat the guy that they, they hope and pray has got potential. But he's been playing for multiple seasons here, and it's been – hit or miss to, to be kind for uh, LSU's new transfer quarterback. Alright, so hey, that's going to do it for this episode of the show. I appreciate each and every one of you hanging out and as always, if you made it this far, if you wouldn't mind giving us that five star written review on the Apple Podcast app, we would appreciate you. But that's going to do it. Catch you on the next one. <laughs>